Welcome to episode number 12. <laughs> I just had this discussion and I don't know why I can't remember now. Um, episode 12 of the VD Clinic. I am with you again and my name is Vanessa and with me yet again um, is Darren. Hi. I was waving for a second and I remembered we're <laughs> on a podcast. Yes. That's the first time I've actually done that, but oh well. We must go on. Well, the amount of times that I'll be recording a podcast and I talk with my hands. I talk with my hands anyway, but sometimes I'll be talking about a movie or whatever, and I get so into talking about what things. And it's not like anybody can see me talking with my hands. And I think last episode, actually, I hit the mic. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the table that my mic is on. <laughs> I remember. I thought. I thought it was uh, Zora. It might have been the. I might have just missed it as that. But (laughs) coming clean. (laughs) So we're about truth here. Yes, exactly. Something like that. (laughs) Truth and other people's lies. Yes, exactly. Have you been, Darren? I've been doing pretty well. Uh, No complaints. Uh, Don't strike me with your thunderbolts out there. It's a spring has sprung. And I'm in a better mood because I like chilly, warm days, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I understand. How are you? I am doing good. I went since, well, we recorded, I guess, last episode right before I went on vacation and was crazed for work. But, and I, I was gone on vacation and then have spent like three weeks catching up from being on vacation and uh now I'm finally caught up so I'm back to my usual crazy and uh <laughs> so yeah so that's things aren't too bad nice. things aren't too bad you've been yes, watching and, anything cool well this weird ass movie that we're going to talk about today <laughs> <laughs> for one <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole um <laughs> with it um let me tell you <laughs> Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I haven't had a lot of time lately, just other, you know, things for, uh, Devour, we did, um, an Embrace of the Vampire, (laughs) 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 that, uh, kind of terrible, uh, 90s erotic thriller type thing with Alyssa Milano. I feel like that one's been a little bit of a long time coming. Oh God, that's so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, no pun intended for a long time coming. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to say about that, yeah. And when is, is that supposed to drop? That will drop uh, at the end of April. So a little bit before this episode that we are recording right now. Boom. Yep, exactly. It's a... Uh... <laughs> It's a treat. It's a treat. How about you? For watching? For watching anything. Uh, similarly, it's mostly just been... Uh, I've watched uh, this movie, Liquid Sky, twice now in my life. Mm-hmm. And I 
Most recently, I would say would probably be the documentary The Seven Five. Right. That's, Which is on my to-watch list. Yes, I, I would definitely recommend that. I may have just recommended it for Legion Recommends. Uh, yeah, uh, it's right up your alley, I would say. But anyone else, it's a documentary about corrupt New York cops in the 1980s, early 90s. And it's a pretty yeah. interesting story. Yeah. There's good cops in there, too. So, you know, just because yeah. just because you know my general opinion of of things well, <laughs> no i and i can say that too and you and i share a very similar feeling about law enforcement and um for me part of what cemented it was when i had a kind of longer term temp job with the cincinnati police department mm-hmm. in homicide and they were the cops is well the police department in general not necessarily the homicide division although some of them too but there were almost always iab investigations going on um for use of excessive force with that city's police department um you know and so that really helped cement like some of my negativity towards cops but one thing that really made me upset was to see the good cops that there were there and to hear what they had to say about their fellow officers, you know, it was so disheartening, <laughs> you know, you're just kind of like, oh, to be in that position where, you know, and they really did want to protect and serve the public and really did want to help people. Like, it's, I can't imagine being in a position like that. So just carrying around your broken dreams. Right, exactly, exactly. But, um, I mean, good on them because I mean, you still, yes, you still need some sense of law and order in this world. You know, it's just a broken system. I'll get off my soapbox now. We're not on psycho semantic. <laughs> 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 I'll save that for your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll probably end up doing that movie or something. <laughs> I'll turn my hat the other way or I'll put on a hat. There we go. I have my for mohawk sure. up for psycho semantic cast and here i have it styled slicked to the sides of my heads and real poofy in top i'm gonna be asking people for the stuff well so today we are talking about the drug fueled 80s (laughs) and the stuff is from our movie liquid sky and our book is less than zero so both very the 80s hair oh my god just even less than zero like 80s hair <laughs> you know the pre- the preppy hair was a totally different thing than the new wave punk rock kind of hair yeah it's like la looks green gel versus nox gelatin or something like that right right and it's interesting to, that these movies ended up being paired together because one is so also just a capsule of LA and the other is such a capsule of New York, I feel. Yeah, but at the I, root. At yeah. The, yeah, at the, at the root, it is, I could totally see how this ended up getting. Oh, no, they, it, they're very much, they have, they have a lot of similarities, but. Uh, but the coasts don't often gel <laughs> like that. Right. But there are certain things that are very much that setting they're in. Physical geographic setting. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard. I 
forget where where on the East Coast was Clay going to. Well, no, okay, never mind. We can get <laughs> anyway. <into it. laughs> so let's take a brief break, and um, then we will be back with our book discussion. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. And we are back. Episode 12 of the VD Clinic podcast covering Liquid Sky and Less Than Zero. We're doing Less Than Zero first, like Vanessa already said. Uh, if you're unaware of the book or sort of hodgepodge, Less Than Zero is Brett Easton Ellis, <laughs> uh, the first novel by Brett Easton Ellis, uh, more commonly known for American Psycho amongst probably a lot of our fan base. Uh, it was written while he was still in college. Uh, he was 21, and it basically follows a a guy about Brett Easton Ellis's age leaving the East Coast uh, on a college break to go back, and it's about going home, and home is L.A. for Clay. So basically, it's about him reconnecting with, for lack of a better word, his friends, and sort of a lot of introspection in the midst of the 1980s L.A upper middle class drug scene Um, yeah and they're all and it seems to me and it seems that it it seems that most of them have like parents in the movie industry yeah very la and that's how they've made their money you know that's it i mean at least that's i mean it it not necessarily all of them but it seems that that's partly also maybe how they know each other probably you you know it's you know they met younger before they even got to high school backlot kids yeah exactly um that sort of loose connection seems to be a a good uh a good term for this yeah uh lesson zero definitely titled i think i skipped this part but uh titled after the elvis costello song of the same name elvis costello was like the cool loser or whatever and um so yeah i I don't know how do you how do you want to get get into this this was your choice of book well so what happened is while when david was still around i decide i don't know liquid sky it was being released on vinegar syndrome or whatever like re-released in the blu-ray and this whole like special edition so i bought that and the conversation came up and I told David, I'm like, you got to see this really weird movie. <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> the 80s. Um, and then I was like trying to think, I'm like, what book is a good 80s drug book? Or capture something very much about the 80s era. Because um, even before, I, I even thought about Slaves of New York which is a collection of short stories by Tama Janowitz, um, who was kind of like an it girl author for a while. Like she always had like short stories and things in Vanity Fair in the eighties. Um, yes, this is the weird kind of things. (laughs) (laughs) Just randomly. Um, and I, so I thought about that, but 
you know, it's, it's short stories we've done before and that's fine, but it wasn't necessarily all drug stuff, but it was all very capsule into 80s New York. But then I was like, I don't know, let's, it's something that's maybe a more interesting read. Cause I liked that. I remember I, I read that once, like probably when it came out in the eighties and I liked it well enough. So, but I didn't know if it would, <laughs> how it would carry over now. And then I just also, but I also thought like, what else is of that era? That is something probably, I don't know. I came up with less than zero because partly I think more people know the movie than they know the book. You know, and you're right. They think of Brett Easton Ellis much more for American Psycho or even Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Which we're going to be talking about on your show soon. <laughs> Coming soon to a Pride Month uh, special of the Psycho Semanticast <laughs> with Vanessa and both hosts of Friday the 13th. It's it's uh, looking like. Oh, there you go. Andrew and Maddie. Cool. Very cool. So, um, so yeah, I, that's kind of, like I kind of think I kind of wanted something that was a very eighties thing and this book is so eighties. Oh my God. It's so of the eighties <laughs> and it's a nice quick read. I took it with me on my vacation. It was a week vacation and it's about, it was 200 pages, I guess on the Kindle. Um, and I finished it that week, you know, and I wasn't even you know, reading super quick. Yeah, it's just the way it's written is it's, it's some of it's very conversational and everything. The the one thing that dry, that drove me crazy about it, and I haven't read Brady Brady Ellis in a while, so it may be something with his style in general. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't remember. Um, just his use of commas in this book. <laughs> drove me a little bananas because there are some places where I was like there should be a comma there and then there were other places where there were commas where I was like there shouldn't be a comma there uh you know it (laughs) I my take on it and this you know I I think I've said this before on the show but I'm the kind of guy that if I have three cups of coffee I act Mm -hmm. like people in these books so I don't know a whole lot about speed anymore um right but I sort of read it, I, I the dis, disjunction or the, the, the dislocation mm-hmm. that the seemingly random commas sometimes read to me as quick breaths in a Coke rant. Right, right. But I think that is also, and again, I feel like it's in American Psycho, but there's also the Coke rant. <laughs> so well, exactly, there's the clear Coke rant, that's true. <laughs> Um, well, and I, for some reason, I remember, I hadn't read this book in a really long time. This was my first read. I've seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie's awesome. Uh, in kind, I mean, I, and I watched it actually again recently. It was, um, like expiring on, uh, streaming on Netflix, I think in, like at the end of February. Oh, Okay. And so since we were going to be watching, we were going to be doing this for this show, I was like, let me go ahead and watch it. I watched it like on the very last day it was on there because I was like, I haven't seen this movie in years. And I kind of wanted to compare a little bit, even though we're not covering the movie. But it's just I've seen the movie so many times anyway. And I wanted to just uh, what I was just trying to make sure I wasn't confusing 
the book and the movie, you know, <laughs> with different things to have yeah. both to have both of them fresh in my mind. <laughs> Which I don't uh, think anybody would fault you for, but I I, I admire your um, attention. Yeah, I well, so and I do want to point actually some something out, um, a couple things, just the way Hollywood changed this move this book into the movie. They really, I feel like they've really, like the, because I'm sure more people who are listening to this have seen the movie and are, you know, look at like the Clay character played by Andrew McCarthy as like so much more clean cut. And, you know, he's, he, yeah, he's done, you know, Coke and he's done his share of partying, but nothing that much, you know, nothing too much. And he's still kind of a goody goody to some extent. Yeah, he's closer. He seems to be like, oh, my drug days are pretty much, you know, are really behind me. But you read this book, they were so not behind him. (laughs) (laughs) How many many pages are we in and how long is he in L.A. before he has to go score some dope? I mean, like, (laughs) he's not as bad as, like, the Julian character needing a fix. But, yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to fool himself. Exactly. Exactly. And us. He really easily establishes himself as that unreliable narrator. Right. Right. And I, that's one thing I actually do like better is the book and having this character that is so flawed. And we're, he's the one we're supposed to, you know, I guess, root for. Him. <laughs> like, you, know what, you know what I mean? Like, it's set up that way that we're supposed to root for him. But then by the end of the book, you're kind of like, just like, no, why? No, he's, he's, he's not as bad as some of these other characters, certainly, but he's pretty shitty, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a everything is relative sort of thing, because I don't really like anybody in this book. No, I, honestly, I don't either. And like I said, Clay, even you... They had, they set him up initially like, yeah, you like him or you're supposed to like him. And you do kind of, for, I mean, at least a little bit, but it doesn't last long. No. It certainly doesn't last long. Sorry. Do you hear that screaming? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Is that Omen? Yep. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> I, I went upstairs and he was sitting at the table with his... Yeah pancakes and canadian bacon and you know watching cartoons and his mom was asleep on the couch but yeah i I didn't know how distracting any of that was for you i hear it but it's fine okay do you need to handle something or i quick pause okay that way we don't get going again and then get stopped immediately yeah quick pause for me to pop my head out no problem okay broadcasting from the cursed earth the Psycho Semanticast. Let us face without panic the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? 
But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. Also known as the Psycho Semantic Podcast. Okay. So, what was I saying? Um, what were you saying? We were I don't just... know. <laughs> we Although were... what we just said before we started back recording is that so many of the problems that t- take place in this book could have been avoided if they'd just been smoking pot <laughs> instead of doing heroin, <laughs> cocaine, <laughs> speed, whatever else. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, I mean, at least I have never, I, I, are we doing uh, chronologically this some of the uh, time frames in the book yeah. throw me off because it's okay. so like the same but a little different. If that you know, right. it's it's a lot of yeah. hanging out. It's a lot of being on drugs and shitty things happen. Yeah, no, we're uh, we nothing. Uh, no, we don't usually talk about this. Uh, okay. Talk about this chronologically. I mean, for the most part, we don't end up that way. I, I feel like sometimes it's a little hard to do that, and especially. Yeah, you're right. A book like this, it's just kind of like, um, like there's a solid beginning and a solid ending, and the middle is interchangeable. Yeah, and there's it doesn't have quite the story arc that you see in the movie. I will Mm -hmm. say that. Again, like I'm trying not to compare the movie since we're not talking about the movie, but I think it's a little inevitable. Um, that's one thing I, you know, I think was a smart choice to give it a little bit more because the whole thing with Clay, like he just, he's, he's not, I mean, it's really, he floats from person to person to person. It's not like you see him so much connecting with just more, you know, and teaming up with, you know, the Blair character. Yeah. Trent, Um, I guess. You know, we know Julian doesn't show up until a little bit later. Julian's barely, Julian's barely in the book. I mean, I mean, it seems like compared to the movie. Yeah. Well. But. <laughs> I mean, when you got Robert Downey Jr. Downey Jr. <laughs> which, funny thing, in high school, I had a boyfriend who looked very much like him at that time period. Like the same haircut and, and like face structure and everything. And he, after, like, he went through a period, a rough period with drugs or whatever, where he would disappear <laughs> like, for, like, a week at a time or something here and there. Like, yeah. Was his name Julian? No, it was not. Oh. It was not. I will not say to protect, to protect his identity. But still, it was, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not Julian. That's a start. It's not Julian. Um... But anyway, um, one thing I want to point out about, and it's no surprise, I mean, if if you're familiar with American Psycho, not only that, again, well, you got in the movie there, but in that book, Brett Easton Ellis really, music is a, of that era, is a very distinct character in the book. (laughs) Don't, you know, don't don't you think so? Because it's, it's setting a very specific tone, and it's always... It's so key, which makes sense then why the movie had like such a kick-ass soundtrack. It totally makes sense. It wasn't just like, oh, this would be cool to put in the movie. Like, no, it makes sense with the actual book, you know, what you're working with. Yeah. You know, the the references to like, oh, 
the Duran Duran and the, you know, the MTV and in excess and whatever, you know, different things of that time period. Um, and you, you know, and you can just totally picture everything that, I mean, it, it's, it's not like a lot of big flowery language, but certainly, uh, you know, cause again, it's not a long book. No. Hey, but he paints us, you know, a very distinct picture of an era and of a place. Yeah. It's, it's like carved out of time. Uh, you know, yeah. If, if, uh. It's solid enough that if you haven't seen a bunch of 80s movies or grown up in the 80s, you know, it's I feel like sometimes when and of course this was written then if sometimes when people are looking back, there's a tendency to sort of inadvertently parody the time. Right. When the stuff from then is easily more representative. And I sometimes forget that that was almost 40 years ago. Hey, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it, it was like 30 years ago. That sounds a little bit better. <laughs> no, you're right. Well, it was 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 30 plus, depending on what part of the 80s. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. Published in 85. So. 80. Yeah. Yeah. And he was 21 then. I know. We just, I mean, pretty amazing that I mean for a 21 year old I think to get a book deal but I think like he was kind of that crop of writers in the 80s that were youngish like there was also uh I want to I think his name's Jay McInerney who wrote Bright Lights Big City who was in that kind of there he's one of the other writers kind of and they were all kind of around that same age in their young 20s and um and it was a lot of a lot of very eighties kind of time capsule things they were writing. Yeah, Jay, Mc, yeah, however, however you said. Jay McInerney. Yep. <laughs> I think so. From Hatfield, so Connecticut. It's, yeah, exactly. That, and, and they're all like from basically the East Coast. Yeah, East Coast North, prep school guys. Northeast Coast, yeah, prep school guys. Exactly, the Ivy Leagues or some a lot of them. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Um, one thing I, wa- I wanted to point out that um, kind of made me giggle. There's um, what page is that on? I gotta find it. Um, so, and you, you, it's something you see almost the same exact thing in American Psycho. He does he does this thing where in 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 less than zero, there's a moment where clay goes to visit blair and he's leaving whatever and she's like clay yes blair if i don't see you before christmas she stops have a good one in american psycho it's the same setup (laughs) except it's easter yeah um what's her what's her face uh lewis's girlfriend yeah played by samantha mathis yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah, i didn't of, notice that this... thing yeah oh gosh yeah he's i i can see it in it's the, a small in the, little in the thing movie. and now i'm like now i'm kind of like i wonder if he's done that in other things of his. <laughs> <laughs> like that's his little thing he just changes the holidays um <laughs> yeah, you know these are i i don't even think i yeah these are the only two books of his that i've ever actually read 
I, I mean, I, I enjoy him. I kind of think as a person, he's kind of a dick, but, um, that's just from limited, uh, maybe not a dick pompous. Maybe there's a pomposity to, yeah. to, uh, himself, which I mean, he is very, uh, accomplished and very smart and everything, but yeah. I don't know. There was, there was just something that didn't make me go super deep dive into his stuff, but yeah. Right. And I've read, I remember reading like some, uh, like articles, like essays type that he's written to. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I did, like, like I said, I was just, I was kind of a weirdo and I used to read Vanity Fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I read a Vanity Fair article the other day. It, it will, because there was a while where they had actually a lot of really good writers who would write, you know, short stories or essays, you know, whatever type things for them. And, um, so yeah, it was probably, I mean, like in the eighties and nineties, I, you know, but, um, and I think I read some, like something like he did like that, but other than American Psycho and Lessons Zero, I haven't read, I haven't read anything else, even though I've seen Rules of Attraction. What else does he, he has another, he has something else, but, um, one thing that I wanted to, I thought was interesting about this that I did not remember. I, t- I and I probably I'm trying to remember. I read this. This is probably only this. This is I think the only the second time I'd read it, or maybe third. Yeah, and I but I hadn't read it since like maybe the early nineties. Okay. So there were some things I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Like I or I didn't pick up on it or something. I don't know why I wouldn't pick up on, but um, I just totally forgot the um, the way that the characters like they don't have clear cut labels on their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like it's like Clay mentions like males characters sleeping together, and he even mentions like says something like he slept with some guy. Yeah, I feel like he's having one night stands randomly with whomever he happens to end up with at the end of the night well exactly exactly and that that's exactly the idea that you get but it's you know it's it's just interesting i didn't i don't feel like you saw a lot of that um i guess where you know the men talking so fluidly about sleeping with other men yeah we haven't really talked about it uh, on the show before, but you and I have an affinity for the beat writers. And I haven't right. really seen that sort of casual, uh, especially, I mean, I don't necessarily say I've done a lot of research on it, but in my readings, I haven't yeah. seen that sort of casual, fluid sexuality since, you know, Neil Cassidy and Allen Ginsberg and, you mm-hmm. know, William Burroughs and Jim Carroll sometimes comes to mind. Living, yeah, you know, uh, although, yeah. And Brett Easton Ellis is gay. So, I mean, to, so I don't know if that's maybe an influence or, and he just picked up on something or whatever. Yeah. Project, projecting, who knows? Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I've, I've never really thought about him as a cautious writer. I was getting ready to say maybe he was being cautious in just having straight up gay characters well, he does have a couple characters in here, though, that are gay males. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, they there are a couple characters that they do say are gay, you know, gay men, but most of them it seems like there's no clear cut, you know, sexual orientation or you know, it's yeah, it's just sex. Sometimes sex is just sex. Yeah, yeah, you know, like they say in ancient Greece and at Studio Fifty Four and everywhere in between. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. But uh, so I, I completely, I hadn't remembered that piece of it. And then, and then the other thing <laughs> that I hadn't remembered. <laughs> I think I messaged you about this <laughs> right after I read that was. I don't remember this amount of underage sex in it. <laughs> oh, like the the like twelve year old sex slave, that sort of thing. Well, that there's another thing where she's like supposed to be fourteen, and then another girl who's sixteen, but they're all like they're all post high school or whatever i mean like <laughs> it's you know it's yeah uh, i i didn't remember that level of <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i i mean i can't really speak because i don't really think they depicted that in the movie which i had seen before no um, no didn't at all no it's not there at all it's completely <laughs> the movie is very sanitized yeah you know, I don't. I don't remember there being a snuff film. Snuff film. <laughs> the snuff film. I remember. Okay. <laughs> at least, at least the, the castration piece of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I remembered that. Like the in the. I, I remembered like the like the this like the actual f- scene about the snuff film, where it was a bunch of guys standing around in a room watching it. And- some of them are getting aroused i feel like exactly exactly and you know you can dissect that all the way through toxic you know toxic masculinity and other things like that um which you know the levels of toxic masculinity in this book are pretty high yeah yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) let's just put it right out there um which adds extra you know, kindling to the fire of conversation on how misogynist is or isn't Brett Easton Ellis. Right. Exactly. That has been a debate in his work. I mean, specifically American Psycho. But yeah, you know, I don't know how much if he's if that's been brought up about his other work. Yeah, I've only really heard it about, especially, you know, like we had spoken about a lot. It's. American Psycho is my gateway Ellis. And yeah. I saw the movie before I read the book. But as soon as I saw the movie, I went and got the book. And mm. it's it's still my favorite uh, of his <laughs> two books that I've read. Not not yeah. to say anything I, harsh about I Less Than Zero. No, I think it's a better book. It's, um, it's, more fle- it's a character that's more fleshed out. You know, that's part of it. This is a very quick read. And American Psycho's almost twice as long so <laughs> yeah it is and half of that's clothes exactly <laughs> but it's i feel it's it, I, where this has this book has like word economy you know mm-hmm. american psycho is like all of these flourishes but it's necessary to that character it's there for a reason i don't feel like it's 
you know, it, it's quite like some writers who, you know, that they want to add as much into everything. No, it's there for a very specific reason. Yeah. <laughs> it hammers home the psychosis. Or, oh, precisely. Yeah. Precisely. The fact that the gut, you know, but okay, we're not talking about that book. Yeah. <laughs> we're not here to talk about that book. <laughs> we're start talking about it, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Wrong Brett Easton Ellis book. Yes. Wrong Brett Easton Ellis book. <laughs> um, maybe another day we'll do that. Yeah. We could do the movie and the book or something like that. Oh, you. I could be up for that. We'll have to do yes. that in between since it's a longer read. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, so I have a question for you. The Rip character in here that's dealing drugs, how long do you think he's been dealing? Because, okay, Clay knows him from school and is 18, so Rip probably isn't even 20, you know? (laughs) Yeah, he was... I'm trying to figure this out, like, because it sounded like it'd been a really long time. (laughs) But I mean, uh, when I was younger, I think the youngest person I ever allegedly got drugs from uh-huh. was about 13 or 14. Uh, so if, if, if he's 20 and we'll say, yeah. we'll say 14, cause I, I mean, what he, this is the eighties now. So in the seventies, he could have been selling yeah grass and lewds at high school or junior high or whatever and he would have been selling pills yeah it's la and if his if if, uh, you assume that the family was already rich at that point so everybody's medicated it was even easier to get pills from your doctor he was probably selling pills yeah and then six years as a drug dealer in la that could feel that's like dog years (laughs) yeah Okay. And he's a DJ, so he went from high school drug dealer that listened to music to, mm-hmm. you know, the, at least that's that was my interpretation of him. Right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, well, <laughs> I didn't like him either, but I am. Um, You're not supposed to like <laughs> him. <laughs> but I seem to focus, focus down on the people that I disliked the most. Right. Um. But yeah, uh, that that was my my thing because I, I don't really know anybody like that now. But I definitely knew mm-hmm. people like him in high school. Yeah. Oh no, and I went to a school with a bunch of rich kids in the eighties, um, and I know that some of them were all coked up, and I could guess which ones were dealing. If I, you know what I mean? (laughs) I, uh, I was not friends with them and, you know, I was beneath them because I didn't have money. (laughs) Uh, When you're not a Mark. Right. So exactly. So I don't know exactly who, but I, you know, I can venture a guess or two. And, um, it was, uh, I started thinking about that too, of going to, you know, just some of the people that I went to school with in the eighties, like what if they had had, you know, Hollywood producer kind of money, you know what I mean? That cause they, their families were rich, but they weren't that kind of rich. Mm. And if they had had access to those kinds of funds, 
Like, what would they have been like? <laughs> I started thinking about how insufferable these people all were. I really, I just kind of like started obsessing about that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that's, yeah, that's, you know, that speaks to the realism of the characters that he created in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, 200 some odd pages, you know. Right. Well, do we have anything else to say about the book? Um, I, I, I can't remember. I'm still, you know, I'm still new to this, everybody. I can't remember. Do we t say whether or not we would recommend well, people check it well, out? I was gonna, and then I was going to say after that, uh. would you recommend this? <laughs> I, I mean, if you want to rate it, you can, but we usually just say, would you recommend it or yeah, not? Yeah, that's, that's what I figured it would be like. Uh, I don't know if we have a cool phrase for it, but like, should we put this in the waiting room <laughs> or, uh. Uh, yeah. Some blah, blah, blah. But, um, I would definitely recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> Ram all rambles aside. Uh, even don't feel bad if you don't like the characters. That's okay. Uh, it's not necessarily necessary. Yeah. It, it's, it stands well on its own, but if you like Brett Easton Ellis at all, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. And I, I would recommend it as well. Um, it's a nice quick read and it. It, you know, it says what it needs to say. And if you're looking for something that really captures that era, uh, and if you, again, yeah, like Darren said, if you, you know, are like Brett uh, Easton Ellis at all, even if you've seen movies based on his works, this might be a good book to start with because it is shorter. Yeah, it, it uh, that way it kind of gets you into a style and then you work your way up to something longer <laughs> but yeah i would uh yeah and i definitely um like i said you know it's it the movie i totally enjoyed but i do really at the end of the day think i enjoy the book better yeah i, I would definitely say i i enjoyed the book better i'm more likely to go back to the book than i am to go back to the movie um, I go back to the movie because of the amazing soundtrack. <laughs> There's that. Oh, I've I forgot. I don't know if we we were talking about the sheer, sort of shared universe that mm -hmm. Ellis has, but there yeah. is. If you go oh, on yeah, to does have a shared universe. That's right. Yep. Because uh, in Rules of Attraction, that is Patrick Bateman's brother, Sean. Right. And in uh, Less Than Zero, one of the people that talks to Clay at Blair's Christmas party is in Rules of Attraction. Oh, that's right. Right. I forget what he was called. The Handsome Dunce or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting if you're into, I mean, shared universes are huge now and mm -hmm. it's cool to see people doing it. Well, like I said, even just that, that little inclusion of the, the line of, in case I don't see you before Christmas, have a good one. And then later on, you know, he has the whole thing in American Psycho, if I don't see you before Easter, have a good one. You know, little things like that. I kind, I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, maybe maybe in uh, another one, it's if I don't see maybe, you before Flag Day or... Right, exactly. Arbor Day. Probably 4th of July. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't see you before Hanukkah. Armistice <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Day. It could be anything. Right.
but yeah, we both recommend this book. Um, speaking of books, and please edit this out if you weren't planning on doing this yet, I thought you had an idea of maybe doing another uh, book giveaway. I do have a, an idea of a book giveaway. Thank you for reminding me, Darren, because <laughs> I almost forgot, even though I have the book right here. Um, yes, we're going to be doing another book getaway. Darren can't win anymore. Okay. Putting that out there. Take my David, crown. Yeah. And I'm sorry, David, you don't work here anymore, but you know, you can't win a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe if he's the only person that replies, then he can get the book. But anyway, I'd like someone else to get it if possible. Um, I'm going to be giving away my gently used copy of It Can't Happen Here by Sinclair Lewis. Um, it was an amazing book, and I want to make sure as many people as possible get to read that book. Yeah. So the first person to email us um, will claim that prize. And what is our email address again, Darren? It is <laughs> I was putting you on the spot. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. No, that's that's okay. I um don't want to say it wrong. So it is uh so email the VD Clinic Podcast at VD Clinic Pod one word at gmail.com. VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. Yes, and um first person to uh to answer we'll uh, get the book and i will send it anywhere so she's yeah. very fast i got i got my copy of the gunslinger so fast yeah oh hi zora cat, zora cat is just saying hello <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> zora cat says i'm fast with everything except eat uh feeding time <laughs> anyway okay so we're now we're going to take a break and then we will be back with our movie discussion. Okay? Sounds good to me. Cool. Are you afraid? You're right. Be 
because they're all dead. All my teachers. Liquid Sky. And we're back with our movie. Our weird, weird little movie. (laughs) (laughs) Liquid Sky. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Liquid Sky. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so uh, Liquid Sky is from 1982, directed by Slava Suckerman, starring Anne Carlyle as Margaret and as Jimmy, Paula E. Shepard as Adrian, Susan Dukas as Sylvia, the shrimp-obsessed woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, shrimp. (laughs) Shrimp. Shrimp was very important in the 80s. For her, for her, it was so weird. Anyway, Otto von Werner as Johann, Bob Brady as Owen, Elaine Seagrove as Catherine, Stanley Knapp as Paul, and a list of other people. Those are the big people that you need to know. <laughs> the IMDb description is... Okay, probably the better way to describe it than what I would describe it as. (laughs) It would keep it a little bit more on track than how I would describe it. Um, (laughs) Invisible aliens in a tiny flying saucer come to Earth looking for heroin. They land on top of a New York apartment inhabited by a drug dealer and her female androgynous bisexual nymphomaniac lover, a fashion model. The aliens soon find the human pheromones created in the brain during orgasm, preferable to heroin, and the model's casual sex partners begin to disappear. Yeah, casual sex partners and rapists. Every just, man in this movie. Bu- the, yeah. the lesbian is even a rapist. <laughs> yes. Anyway, a German scientist is, um, the increasingly bizarre scenario is observed by a lonely woman, shrimp lady, in the building across the street, a German scientist who is following, who is following the aliens and an equally androgynous drug adult male model. Both models are played by Carlisle in a dual role. Darkly funny and thoroughly weird. Okay, see, they even agree it's weird. (laughs) And here's a little bit of trivia for you. It was filmed for $500,000. It was the most profitable independent film of 1983. And it like brought in $1.3 million. I mean, part, sorry, $1.7 million. Wow. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, that's... <laughs> it, it ran continuously in New York for a year. That buys a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, Darren... Yes. <laughs> So why you said you watched it twice is we actually were going, we were supposed to have a guest on who may end up joining us. We, I don't know that happens, but anyway, we had to reschedule it because she was sick. And so you watched it then and now you rewatched it since we rescheduled. So you've yeah. seen it twice. Did your feelings change between the two viewings and did it help explain things more for you? <laughs> Yes. Um, okay. So the first time I watched this, okay, I've, I've, like you said, I've seen it twice. I've seen this movie twice on three different kinds of pot. Um, <laughs> the first time I watched That's your this, stuff you had, huh? That's that was the stuff you had. 
That yeah, that was the stuff. Yeah, I. <laughs> that was the no, stuff. No, I told I had. you not to watch it sober. Yes, and you know, I I maybe should have started my unsobriety a little bit sooner because it was kind of like a sit down, get everything started. So I was still relatively clear headed when the spaceship comes. <laughs> <laughs> And, but it, it was, it wasn't, it was pretty good for, I've seen some 1980s effects that would really make this one feel good about itself. Right. So, um, immediately I'm, I sort of, I don't know, I have no idea what I'm in store for, <laughs> but I know I'm in store for some weird shit, <laughs> um, with the way it gets going. And there's the, I don't know, the music, the best I could uh like the clanky it was like a combination of clanking wood blocks and the fingernails of the uh the gartham from the dark crystal sort of in the background <laughs> you know i don't know if it's supposed to synthesize the sort of acid crackles you feel in the back of your neck but i was about almost all the way through the first confrontation between uh jimmy and Oh, you're gonna Margaret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When yeah, when Jimmy and Margaret are fighting, before I realized that it was the same person. Yeah. The first time through, and I I had written in my notes right after music is drug like acid crackles. <laughs> right. <laughs> was is this the same person? And if it is or isn't is that important to the movie or is that just part of the movie and you'll probably be able to you've you've deep divin dove deep you deep dove on this i so i mentioned earlier why i wanted to do this movie to begin with is um around black friday vinegar syndrome last year vinegar syndrome put out a like restored like 4k whatever uh, uh, like restoration of uh the movie on blu-ray and it came with it came like with also a restored like dvd and like a booklet had all these special features i watched every single special feature in this and there's some really good ones actually and yeah so i went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and i read some more stuff but anyway go ahead and finish what you're gonna say before i tell you (laughs) Some stuff. Uh, we're we're just doing initial impressions and yeah. I want to hear what your initial impression is because this movie is very much about that, in my opinion. Okay. So, don't you don't you agree? <laughs> it is something. I I will say that I at this point I'm not really liking the movie or thinking that I might not like. Especially if, if, I know it was a joke, but I started to get a little bit par- paranoid at how much fun everybody was having on whether or not I would, I would mm-hmm. like it. So it's like, yeah. okay, was that where was everybody trying to like soften soften the blow? Because I don't I don't like to I don't I, I enjoy talking about movies I enjoy more than I like talking shit about movies. But um Agreed. I, I think we're all there. Uh, At least most of us are. Yeah, and so but I trust you. <laughs> yeah. So I just why we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I settled in with an open mind, with my own kind of stuff. And as the movie went on, I I liked it more. And there, you know, it's not the kind of movie that you watch every month. 
or you know not even every year but there's some really weird stuff and i don't know like you said don't watch it sober i've got some symbolism that i'm gonna want to talk about Mm -hmm. and but the overall story of basically aliens amongst aliens and the (laughs) you could tell this movie was made with care or at least i don't know it seemed it seemed like there was an earnest attempt to like really you know it's not just a movie that kind of happened it's like stuff was planned out and it's sort of you know it's like the the weird middle times between new wave and punk it seemed like right because i feel like there were a couple times where people were talking about punk music and Mm -hmm. i was like that's not that's not the type of punk music i listen to uh which you know is kind of a what was that punk new wave kind of transition era yeah and there's drugs and everybody knows how to do poetry and you know it's it's such a you know the and i had read the book before i watched the movie Mm -hmm. and i was looking for similarities even though we usually mostly talk about the book and we mostly talk about the movie and we don't do a whole lot of combination necessarily or at least right from what i noticed but i mean there are a lot of characters that you don't like there is a aimless sort of we're doing nothing again um the the levels the varying levels to which people give a shit about people that they say they love and stuff like that and uh Mm -hmm. yeah it's i don't know how you had planned out to go through here so i'm just being very vague uh without giving away the story but it's a weird ride and i enjoyed it i will say okay good good i'm glad that you don't hate me now (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to keep you in suspense, but I don't know how good of a job I did. Uh, no. Well, I, you know, I wasn't sure there for a minute. Um, but I didn't think that even if you really did hate the movie, you were going to hate me. Um, <laughs> well, right. You can't hold me accountable for some of, I mean, well, some of my tastes in movies are definitely questionable. <laughs> um, I, I admit that. Um, I, uh, yeah, definitely. When you hear the score that I gave, Embrace of the Vampire and Devour, you will say some of my tastes are questionable, but (laughs) um, I had a distinct reason I gave it that grade. But anyway, so I want to tell you how I stumbled upon this movie for the first time. Back in the 90s, the early 90s, when, when a young Vanessa was just coming out of the closet. <laughs> I was just randomly picking up books of different, whatever, gay culture, you know, different things. But specifically, I was looking for, like, like doing a deep dive on, like, gay cinema and or LGBTQ representation in cinema. And there was a chapter or whatever in this one book um, about androgyny and drag, and this movie was mentioned and the specific scene, and there wasn't a lot of said about it, um, said that, you know, Anne Carlyle played the dual role and it described the scene of basically her fellating herself. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I've got to see this movie. <laughs> Just, I'm like a movie that includes a scene like that yeah, where I have just like, Oh my god! Well, it's 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 disturbing, but it's just 
it's a very having her in the dual role lends such an interesting dynamic to the characters and that are that are already going on you know as far as gender fluidity uh sexual orientation you know all all over the place as well androgyny like what that fashion was that part of that fashion was of that time period you know it, it's just it's it, it's something that I, f- I find very fascinating about the movie yeah and and then oh my god the music <laughs> the, the music i kind of love i'm trying to find the music um oh my goodness are it's, you jealous folks i i have a real affinity for like Laurie anderson and some of these like more avant-garde kind of you know some of the ann magnuson you know bong water <laughs> kind of quote-unquote oddball things uh in performance art spoken word music Susie and the banshees deep yeah it's patty smith yeah exactly i just i love that kind of thing and I missed, I missed being, I, I really wish I'd been in New York at that time because New York now does not have any, it's so sanitized compared to like, I mean, yes, there's an edgy scene here and there, but it's not, it's totally different. But what is interesting, speaking of edgy scenes, the influence, some of like people, like some current musicians have taken from this movie, like you can obviously see influence on, like, a Lady Gaga, a Sia, or a Peaches, musically and fashion-wise. It's for, it, <laughs> yeah, I could see, uh, especially uh, just because I am more aware of Lady Gaga, I could see her dressed mm-hmm. up as Margaret. Right. You know. Absolutely. And doesn't Margaret, speaking of, uh, you, you were talking about the androgyny, doesn't Margaret say that when she's sort of talking shit to that one I mean, most everybody in this is an asshole, but I feel like yes. the guys especially, except for... Um, the guys are so rapey. Auto. It, yeah. And again, the lesbian. The lesbian's rapey. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sylvia? Is that her name? Adrian. Adrian. No, Sylvia is shrimp lady. Shrimp lady. Jumbo shrimp. Oh my god. A German, is as, a German scientists are as tall as buildings and aliens are as big as... I w- Jumbo if, shrimp. If, if they had her place that Chinese food order just as a setup for that bad joke later, <laughs> I'm wondering if they did. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna have to go. But I feel like she talked about shrimp. Oh, almost a Forrest Gump level. She did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was gonna be a bigger part of the plot. Part like, of the plot, exactly. Like, like, the like aliens, maybe they're shrimp-like. And she's a cultist. No, she's just really into shrimp and, Mm -hmm. you know, sexual innuendo, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I don't know. It's, um, yeah, that shrimp thing, though. I was just like, oh, my God. It was a a bit much. Because you're right. She brought it up like crazy. She brought it up like crazy. But, you know, the one thing that kind of, I mean, I think Anne Carlyle, I think she does an amazing job in this, in the two roles. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to pull off, especially of two different genders. 
But it kind of bothers me that when she plays Jimmy, her lower jaw like really doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> you look at her after a minute and you're just like, you know, or you look at her as Jimmy and you're like, wait, <laughs> what? It's just, it's just distracting. Yeah. But I understand that's the, the way she had to probably hold her mouth to get the register, you know, the correct level of, oh. you know, whatever tone of voice, but... Yeah, the very disinterested Jimmy voice. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, 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 the sneer kind of works. I mean, anyway. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was in my notes until I caught the names. I was calling him uh, Sad Malfoy. <laughs> Sad Malfoy. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Sad Malfoy needs drugs and is being a dick to Margaret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this... it's. I think this movie, it is a different kind of new, you couldn't have a dead body in a cardboard box on your balcony anymore, right? If you can, yeah. don't incriminate yourself. Well, let me see. If you can, if you can get roof access anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, look at that building. She probably, that's an easy, you have a garden apartment type thing, you know, or something like a roof apartment. Yeah. Penthouse penthouse or whatever yeah that kind of building you could i'm sure i I mean i'm guessing (laughs) i don't have that kind of money so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah those you know um well margaret and she lives in some pretty pricey real estate that's over by the empire state building that's midtown manhattan yeah (laughs) listen to me i'm like there's no way that's pricey real estate that's i am officially a true new yorker (laughs) (laughs) When I start talking about real estate. <laughs> Forget about the aliens. Let me tell you what's really unrealistic. Forget about the aliens. Is a, a, <laughs> a lesbian poet and her androgynous model girlfriend have this apartment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering what kind of money they're making. I mean, well, okay, she's dealing drugs. So that supplements the one's income. But how much are you getting paid as a fashion model? I figured she would just be getting paid in drugs. <laughs> right. Maybe. I mean, maybe getting a little bit something from a magazine. But I'm just thinking, again, I'm stuck on this real estate idea now. It didn't even dawn on me until I just <laughs> said this. <laughs> but even back then, I mean, that's 34th Street is Empire State Building. And Times Square is 42nd Street. So he wasn't probably the best neighborhood, I guess, at that time. Still not the worst, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was going to bug me until I figured out how they were in that apartment. <laughs> it's not the Upper East Side. I get that, but. <laughs> but still. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what Margaret, I mean, Margaret's always working. I don't know. She's probably not getting paid when she models with, uh, Owen. Is that the name of the, the older guy that represents what the older generation? Yeah. He's like the seventies or the sixties and, Mm -hmm. uh, they tell each other that they're both weird or what does he say? You're a freak show. Yeah. And she says something about his, his genes. Yeah. I, I, that that might be a little bit jumping ahead. Sorry, I know that like we jump around here. You know that. Yeah. Um. But it's I keep coming back to every everyone is so rapey in this. Like. Yeah, I mean, 
they're just hanging out and he says you're not wet. that aren't real creepy people in real life but they're not i don't want to think they're i don't think they're this many rapey people in one area <laughs> and it's constant it's not like they don't all know each it's not I mean, I know what mo- most people get raped by people you know, but you don't mm-hmm. hang out with them every day afterwards, usually. Right. I, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's the... Well, but then well, look at, like, what's going on with Harvey Weinstein and whatever, the Hollywood industry. These different sexual, you know, predators who've been around, and it's like a systematic thing, and then they end up having to work with these people. So, I mean, it's not necessarily... But I guess it's just such a high percentage. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's everybody. (laughs) It's everybody. It really is. You know, I don't even know how many times I was like, rapey, rapey, rapey. You know, rapes. The guy shoving, I'm guessing, date rape drugs, yelling, swallow it. Well, he says at first they're quaaludes, but Mm. then he, he acts like it's something else. So some sort of pill. Yeah, it's... You know, stairs rape. Owen, I yeah, w- I, I want to make love to you, but I'm gonna molest you first. It's... Yeah, it's it's this yeah whatever coercive kind of yeah kind of yeah questionable. It's still yeah, I'm still molesting you, but he's acting like it's not, you know. Yeah, and uh... acting like he's not like those other guys, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just older, that's all. Um, and maybe he actually does to some degree care about her compared to these other guys, but not enough for yeah. it to actually matter. That's a low bar. That's a very low bar. Adrian, what? She Adrian looks... is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of hot, I have to say, but <laughs> she's kind of problematic. <laughs> she... <laughs> She's loony. She's completely batshit insane is what she is. I mean, she's, I don't even know. I I just, I, I, yeah. (laughs) Stammering, stammering. She's a necrophiliac, maybe? Yeah, well, no. I mean, she, he's definitely dead at that point when she rides his face. Yeah, so if she wasn't before, she is now. Exactly. And she, what, the... The professor or the scientist tries to, as she gets all cheesy, like 1950s, we don't need you, man. Yeah. Beat it, bacon. Yeah. I'm going to go write poetry and rape my girlfriend. Yeah. Who we like. Who, like Clay, she, a model from a wealthy family. Yeah. Sort of on a better level of likability than a a gaggle of reprehensible people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, give us another deep dive. So talking about some of the visuals in this, um, the guy, the director was uh, a Russian immigrant and via Israel and had made films over in the Soviet Union and in Israel before he came here. But he was doing a lot uh, more uh, documentary and about and like science type stuff. So it makes total sense when you look at some of these shots in here that it it reminded me so much of just like looking at things under a microscope. 
mm-hmm. and some of the distortions you have when you put ink on different, you know, cells and whatever. It 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 made a lot more sense once I kind of had once I had that little bit of information. I was like, ah, okay, yeah, no, that <laughs> I could totally see why that was what he was attracted to make. That but, trippy weird predator vision. Uh, yeah. Acid show. I totally see. Yeah, the mic. That's that's another thing that I I was curious about on both watches was just mm-hmm. is this some sort of you know shrinking down or you know transformation or just a trippy cool transition? Um, kind of both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was also to get these distorted views because, and it makes complete sense because when you're seeing so much of this vision or whatever it's from the aliens point of view you know they're not going to see things through a lens like the same that we do yeah you know like what they say looking through a fly's eyes you'd see something an image duplicated all these different times um the vision's just not the same but um yeah it was so fascinating just just you're right. It was like a labor of love, this project, because everybody was really, I mean, Anne Carlyle also, she co-wrote it too. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That probably helped uh, establish her characters a little bit better, a little bit more towards her. Right. Right. Yeah. It, uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that you can, you're right. It's a labor of love. It's, I mean, uh, the director and his wife, they did multiple things. Like he was one of the composers of the music and, you know, writing the script and producing and, you know, photography as well as directing, you know. So it's people who wore many hats. I mean, it's an independent production. Like I said, it was produced for $500,000, but it has a distinct following. It's just, it's one of those movies that I think is very easy for people to hate. <laughs> um, I can understand. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I get that. I totally recognize that. You know what I mean? I, I, I completely recognize that. And I've watched this. I'd seen this movie probably three times. And then recently another three times. <laughs> um, in addition to all of the um, documentaries and stuff. But the... Uh, the cl- I love the clothing in this movie, just like some of the, the, the costumes. And one theme that is so fascinating to me about this movie, and you can see it partly with the casting of Anne Carlyle as both Margaret and Jimmy, is this idea of clothing as everyday costume, you know, and, and this idea of drag and... You know, it's like, you know, that's why I'm saying the casting of her as Jimmy being in drag. But it goes along with them, you know, like like I said, everyday clothing where I go to work, I you know, where she models and she's getting all dressed up, whatever. Well, that's whatever drag. She has a very specific environment that she's wearing that in. Um, and, and that was, again, like that was part of why, like when I first read about this, I actually wanted to see it because it seemed kind of an interesting kind of thing but when she's they um there's one point i mean they bring it up multiple times in here and um they uh, she says something 
what is it? Who is it? Oh, she says, you're wearing, like, because the, the reporter's asking her why she wears such outrageous clothes. And she's mm. like, you're wearing what they want from you. You know, like, I wear what they, you know. Yeah. Everybody who's, yeah, everybody all our bosses control thing. what we wear. Right. Exactly. <laughs> to some extent. Right. Right. But the other thing, another thing about the visuals had uh, reminded, some of it reminded me of that, um, I think it's Larry Cohen movie, God Told Me To. Did you Not ever familiar. see that? Oh, crazy, trippy <laughs> horror movie from, uh, oh God, when was that? Late 70s? I think late 70s. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it has some of the, the weird, like going back and forth with like the infrared and, uh, whatever different uh heat sensitive kind of vision and and everything except that's someone who's like dealing with a killer who's crazy <laughs> and potentially schizophrenic or something yeah it's been a long time since i've seen that but see it reminds some of the visuals kind of remind me of that uh yeah they're stunning visuals um sometimes the dialogue not so much um, <laughs> yeah the dialogue is probably the weakest part of this movie yeah, I mean, there's the shrimp lady. It's, it's what she said. Something I wrote down that she said in this house, shrimp is more important than duty. Yeah. Uh, in response to something <laughs> that the uh, the West German scientist said, um, what, "I'm gonna fuck you till you know what it means." It was a little. Yeah. Those those were just uh, two. Yeah, the shrimp. <laughs> yeah. The shrimp and just some of the like, oh God, did they just say that sort of thing? But I can also see people this, cli uh, not cliche, there's like this type of reprehensible person that you see come out and you can imagine that that might be what they would say. And it wouldn't make it any less ridiculous. Right. Uh, I keep dead bodies in there so I can fuck them was kind of made me laugh, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, man, she is such an asshole. Oh, God. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought it was funny that uh, the guy had to pay three more dollars to use her needle. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember if that's, is that the guy that is sitting around waxing or, you know, waxing rhapsodic about how cool and historic it is to be a junkie? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah the, the visuals <laughs> back to the stronger points this is a very pretty movie the the uh the post what did i ha had it written down as the post murder fuck snuggle in front of the new york skyline was really pretty and in a little bit we're gonna get to where on the first viewing is where i wished the movie ended okay uh which hey. huh well, I was going to say, well, you can go ahead and say now if you want. Okay. Um, well, sh uh, when she is filleting herself. Well, basically, I mean, it's it's Anne Carlyle as Margaret is on her knees filleting Anne Carlyle as Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. And when they throw in lines of dialogue in between... Margaret and Jimmy in there, like where she says to him at one point, go fuck yourself. Yes. It kind of makes you chuckle because it's the same person saying it, you know, they're saying it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> kind of little, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of stupid that it made me chuckle, but it did. 
Anyway. Yeah. And then, um, you know, at the moment of climax, Jimmy turns into crumpled up foil, I think, or paper. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when these people. Yeah. These lovers of hers on die. Well, or the aliens make them die. They're glass crystals involved sometimes yeah which that that's kind of random because it seems like why wouldn't you just have the other keep it consistent but where it's always the foil kind of thing but or always heat the crystals i don't know <laughs> they just you know that's, checked for them before i don't know that i that i don't know about but and it's interesting some of the themes that kind of go with this stuff and one thing that was interesting to hear them talk about in the making of documentaries was when they were making this in new york it was kind of where was aids was just starting to you know people were really starting to just hear about it i mean it was around you know a little before but people were really just starting to hear about it much more yeah and that that adds you know that adds to the and you've got in this right in this movie you've got the sexual promiscuity you've got the you know junkies shooting up yeah. you know the two of the groups that targeted by the disease and it's interesting that when what's his name Owen is giving her giving Margaret whatever kind of quote unquote lecture you're going to end up in the ho- you're going to wind up in the hospital with some social disease or sexual disease mm-hmm. you know and like syphilis is referred to a couple different times in this but she says specifically my pussy has teeth and yeah i mean like you, there is that whole vagina dentata mm-hmm. kind of fear that this play that this movie plays into as well yeah, and in that uh, the the like neon face paint soliloquy where she says, "I kill with well, my cunt," like, I kill with my cunt. I know, like that speech. And as soon as that speech is over, that's when I was like, "Okay, is the movie over?" That uh, is my off. favorite. I love that speech. Yeah, it's so. And she just the way the music and just the way she's like the rhythm while she paints her face. It's it's all very it's very pretty. You know, and she just has the right intonation for it. Yeah, and the stories, you know. Yeah. When I was young. Yeah, that that is my favorite part of the movie. We'd have barbecues and they'll say delicious, delicious. Yes. Um. (laughs) Isn't it fashionable? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and they said that they kind of wanted to have a, make a Cinderella fable. Okay. Which... I can see some, I guess I see some of that, you know, that's not the main place I'd go, but I definitely, you know, you do, yes, you do see some of those things, yeah. but they all turn into pumpkins and go sway at the club. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just, the sexual assault is, is problematic to put, to say the least. <laughs> Prevalent and problematic. I mean, sexual assault in general, yes, is I mean, it's always problematic, but it's just, yeah, I mean, we've already talked about how rapey, like how meant the percentage of rapey people there are in this movie. Yeah, like. We've know. already talked about that, but then we got to talk about, yeah, that scene with them, uh, the 
her filleting her filleting herself where just the crowd around and everybody's cheering them on like it's yeah. kind do of... it do it do it and they're do and they're doing this daring this gay male to have sex with this sexually fluid female and when i say when i say female i'm saying cis cisgender in this i'm you know we but we i'm playing on the just the androgyny mm. between the two it's it's just because it seems even the most of the gender fuckery that's going on here is is almost a kind of mask or drag that they're doing not necessarily like someone who's trans where it is their essence you know what i mean mm. <laughs> and part of their their it, it not the same kind of identity yeah do you know what i mean like does i don't know if that makes sense i think so. i mean uh, as much i want to make that distinction here because um but it's supposed to be a cis gay male being dared to have you know have sex with a cis <laughs> sexually fluid female yeah she prefers who prefers women though she does say that yeah she prefers, she, she prefers women but she also said what whether or not i like someone doesn't depend on their genitalia exactly yeah when that insecure gibbering guy is like i don't want to have sex with a man yeah oh uh, but yeah it it could be difficult to know if you if somebody just went to youtube and watched this movie or went to vinegar syndrome and bought this movie mm -hmm. and watched it without checking out the special features. It yeah. might be it might be hard to tell just from viewing because it is right. they don't tell you they don't beat you over the head with that aspect. Right. You know, you sort of got to figure it out for yourself. Right. And at least I will say they do acknowledge in a couple points in the movie they say, "Oh, Jimmy, cuz Jimmy's always saying how ugly Margaret is." And then, but then they acknowledge the fact that, well, you look just like her, Jimmy. <laughs> I love that they at least acknowledge that, I think two, three times. I'm like, thank you, because the audience has already recognized that, yeah. you know? And yeah. so they're <laughs> trying to hide it. And I, I appreciate that aspect. Yeah, it's because it, it's seems like the kind of set where that could have been an off you know an uh an improv line right or it could just as easily have been written that way i know sometime i forget what it was there was some movie that i just in my head i figured oh almost all of that is improv and, and the writers were contrary they said no actually we we wrote it like that but mm -hmm. so i don't want to take anything away from the writers if they wrote that part but it, it was yeah it was funny to sort of have that nod without everybody turning to the camera and winking. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Weird movie. Uh. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, what, taking bets or maybe it's just because the girlfriend was a hustler, but she tried to get $300 to, to rape her girlfriend? At the party? Is that basically uh, what happened? Uh, kinda. Like, kill me, kill me, baby. I just. Rape. She was fucking batshit crazy. Like I said, that's the technical term for it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh. That's just. 
no good relationships oh. in this movie. <laughs> oh, nobody is just. Uh, it, 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 I mean, yeah. Shrimp Lady has her problems too. She's obsessed with shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, see, that's an unhealthy relationship. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. And what? Uh, no one should like shrimp or one food like that much. Like, she orders, what, three, four dishes from the Chinese food restaurant, and they're all shrimp. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Gumbo shrimp, shrimp saute, shrimp kebab. <laughs> um, yeah. And she, it's just so weird weird thing that i really thought was gonna pay off <laughs> i know right <laughs> it's like, okay you know and and i have to, i have to say this movie if they had cut out the plot with the scientist and shrimp lady like looking in and just had the base story of margaret jimmy in this weird fashion world i would have been okay with that with the aliens out there and you trying to figure out what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah it was confusing don't get me wrong but i kind of would have been okay with that I, yeah i feel like the most confused i would have been i about feel that. there's too much of the scientists in there maybe you have a little less scientist yeah uh you know <laughs> a little more shrimp um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and have i said shrimp I, yeah, at one point I wrote, what the fuck is up with the shrimp? I know you messaged me. I'm just, oh. and I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and I, I thought about just keeping it to myself, but I knew it would still be <laughs> amusing to us if, if we'd already talked about it before. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, but yeah, the sh- shrimp. <laughs> If, if this movie tells you anything about 1982, 1983 New York is you can't trust anybody not to rape you. And yeah, um, shrimp, we got to <laughs> keep your iron up. Um, or <laughs> I don't even know if that's what's in shrimp, but the I, I don't know. I don't eat shrimp. I just think that's a doomed relationship because he's from West Germany. And as far as I know, they're not all that into well, shrimp. Well, yeah, I don't know. But he's it's interesting, you know, talk about him being the alien or whatever. I mean, the director being an alien, quote unquote, like having moved like an immigrant to I mean, I suppose he's injecting himself as narrator into that character, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's just me thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, um, so anything else to say about the movie? Um, I think that's, let's see, I threw a couple notes at the top, but I think they came out organically. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, I might like, da, da, da. yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think, I don't know if I would have watched this if on my own and right. it's not, I don't think I'm gonna get the special edition, but yeah. I, I don't think I will never watch this again. And I know there's some people in the group uh, look for the VD Clinic podcast group uh, that seem to be big fans of this movie. And I had literally, I don't think I had ever heard of it before you, you brought it up about doing it for the show. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, is there so anything is, you would like to so, add? Um, is there anything else I'd like to add? Uh, not that I can think of. 
know. So would you recommend this though? To most people, I would, if I was uh, at a video store, which don't really exist anymore and somebody walked in, I don't right. know if it'd be the first movie that comes to mind to recommend to a stranger, but right. if, if you, if you like sci-fi, you could probably get into this. If you like weird post-punk drug movies, there's something for you. Um, and if you just like, int- I, I couldn't think of another movie that this is like. So if you like unique cinema, check it out. It's less than two hours. Okay. I would recommend it as well, but I do, I, I would have it as a conditional recommend. Like I said, I know <laughs> it's not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> um, I know that. But I, I think there's a lot here. And yes, it's it's a piece of unique cinema. And they really, it captures so much of that era. And it's, a, I think it does it well. Um, like capturing different elements of like the some the music of that time, and then like the fashion of that time, and then you know the party scene, and you know that was going on, and you know these multiple things that um yeah, if you're looking for something of that era, and definitely some interesting visuals, um, yeah. Definitely some interesting visuals, but the music though too. I can't I can't stress that enough. I really I just um yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that a lot, actually. But um okay. So that wraps that up. Yay. So Karen, yay. So folks, guess what? What? Guess what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we have actually now done twelve episodes, a full year. Um, do you know what that means? What does that mean? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that next episode will be our one year anniversary episode. The hell you say? I know, right? And would you like to share what we're doing, Darren? What special event we're going to have? Ah, for our uh, 13th episode, our full revolution. Yeah. Uh, To celebrate one revolution, we will be doing a commentary on another sort of revolution. A drunken Um, commentary. A drunken commentary. I totally expect you to drink with me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm going to be drinking. (laughs) About the rise of the machines, but not that movie. We are (laughs) going to be doing a drunken commentary on, speaking of cocaine. (laughs) And the drug-fueled 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Maximum overdrive. (laughs) You may have heard it before somewhere, but you haven't heard us do it. Yep. And we might have a special guest with us. I don't know. We'll see. It's possible possible it depends on if he decides to grace us with his presence <laughs> um <laughs> the phantom of the podcast is there something of that or, sort or, you know. yes actually. actually that might be giving it away too much so thank fuck you edit this <laughs> anywho so the other thing that I was going to say is um, 
want to, uh, it would be lovely if people would send us messages that we could include in the show. Um, we know we have a little bit of love out there, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe for you, we'll get, we'll get the Vanessa love. No, uh, they have, they have more daring love. One of us will win. It's up to you. Or, they, to or you. they'll say, you guys suck now that, you know, now that David's gone. Yeah. Um, we could get that mail too, yeah. um, which, is, which is fine. That's, that's fine. We would just love to hear from you. Um, any way, shape or form, that would be lovely. Um, but you could send your messages to um, either email or voice, uh, whatever, to our uh, email address at, um, which is, what is that email address again, Darren? <laughs> the email address again is vdclinicpod at gmail.com vdclinicpod at gmail.com yes exactly yep <laughs> so yeah i mean if you send in your emails we may or may not take requests for which of us you want to uh to read it uh i don't know if that's any sort of incentive <laughs> <laughs> we're throwing stuff out there this is our first year that's true. We are, um, you know, and I, I, well, I, oh, I wanted to mention this earlier, T totally, uh, totally pulling this out of my ass. But I wanted, to, I, I was thinking, I mean, I, I, if, it, if I'd thought about it, I would have done a scene, had us do a scene for this episode between Mar and but we would, the two of us would play margaret and jimmy but then i was like no does that really work when it's two different people <laughs> and two different genders like <laughs> and then i was like well would it work i, I started thinking no it have to be the same person playing both roles and i don't know i don't think we would have pulled that off <laughs> <laughs> like one of us playing two different roles i just yeah i'm sorry I, I know my i know my confidence my my acting skills is not that great and i i don't think that <laughs> that that might have been difficult your confidence is there either so <laughs> or yeah. i could be wrong. maybe maybe you uh maybe you have more confidence with your acting skills than i do <laughs> i don't know i i, I feel less so uh, but i was just i was kind of thinking about how the casting would work and how that would change totally the dynamic of the uh discussion and like <laughs> and the story of you know what i mean like no that totally changes the dynamic of the scene depending on the casting yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> anyway, that was a random thought that I wanted to mention earlier, and I forgot until hey, now. So. Yeah, there's always time to add it in, and there it was. Oh, yeah. are, is there going to be any sort of scene before or after the commentary? Um, or are we just going to move on to episode 15 when that comes out? We'll see. We'll have to see. I don't know yet. You're asking me things I haven't <laughs> had time to think about. <laughs> no, I, I'm happy when I can always think of something. That's, I, I get, uh, not yelled at, but uh, one of the things my <laughs> that annoys the people that know me the longest know that I ask a lot of questions. And, oh, that's uh, okay. That's okay. I'd rather you ask than don't ask. Um. I, you know, it's funny. I thought about it, but I think probably not considering, well, I don't know. D discussion to be had off mic. <laughs> right on. Um, yes. So to be continued. But anyway, for our, our commentary episode, 
in our one year anniversary episode. Yes, please send us your your uh, messages of any sort of sentiment. <laughs> yeah, something you'd like to see us cover in the coming years. Yeah. We know? have a lot of ideas and um, some of us, <clears throat> myself, like to be a little OCD about planning. And so we have a lot planned, but we are open to change things around because we do do that on occasion. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty flexible. It's easy to copy and paste that, that, uh, change the dates on there. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, send you, send our, uh, send everything to our email at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. Okay. So anything else, Darren, before we go? No, thank you, um, everybody, for listening. But thank you, Vanessa, for <laughs> dealing with me this afternoon. You have? Do you have anything coming up? Any uh, interesting uh, episodes you'd like to mention? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, well, this is coming out relatively soon. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just did a crossover uh, with the guys Brad and Jeremy at the Deuce. We did Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's out right now. And then hopefully you're listening to this episode as soon as it comes out. Um, I'm assuming you did. Uh, about a week from now or so, <laughs> uh, I uh, sat down. I finally found somebody to talk about Cherry Falls with me. Uh, I got Andrew from Friday the 13th. And uh, that'll be the next episode to look for over at the Psychosemantic Podcast. Cool. You've got that devour that's out right about now. Uh, yes, that will be dropping right before this episode drops. Um, yeah, with Embrace of the Vampire as our uh, main movie, and <laughs> anyway, we had a lot to say about it. Um, and Ink was the other movie that we covered. That was a listener suggestion. Yes, that was a movie. <laughs> anyway um so yeah i have that and then do, 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 do. yeah i'm trying to think i have an episode i think that's going to be released soon um that i recorded with paul over at uh friends till the end ah okay so that's yeah that'll be dropping i guess yeah, sometime soon he just he keeps saying sometime soon so <laughs> what sometimes soon means I, right. yeah. just anyway. keep your eyes on the legion podcast it's been recorded so uh, yeah anyway oh, okay and it's all over on legion um yes where we are yeah i we are a proud member of the legion network now i put now i put in my professional voice there we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it it was a, it was a blast. Uh, that's one of the things that I was looking forward to um, collaborating because I'm you know I'm the harsh taskmaster over at my solo show, so I I like collaborating with somebody because I'm I'm easy to stay in a rut of you know my mm -hmm. my kind of movies and my kind of books and yeah, this is still a blast. Okay, I, I'm not being held captive, everybody. I am not being held captive not yet not um yet. <laughs> you're still 
You're, you're well. I was gonna say you're still here after this movie, but let's see when you show up for the uh, the one year anniversary show. <laughs> then, uh, then, I'll, <laughs> then it'll be okay. I'll trust it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am plotting. I shouldn't okay. say that into the microphone, but oh well. Yeah. Well, also the movie we're doing for our commentary, I have not seen before. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so this will be very interesting. Yeah, I, it is. I was considering watching it ahead of time, but then I'm like, nope. <laughs> I think this is going to be more interesting if I watch it cold. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it beforehand since I've already seen it and I've already used up my first encounter exclamation, proclamation, and observations. Yeah. And yeah, you if you can, stay, uh, stay away until. Yeah, I'm trying. So, but until then, until then, how do we sign off? Um, I don't know. We're, we're really bad about this. I'm better at saying goodbye than David, David was, but, um, which he admits that. So anyway, (laughs) say goodbye, Darren. Goodbye until your next appointment with the VD clinic podcast. And this is Vanessa signing out. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VDClinicPod or reach us via email at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more.